Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to the Dangerously Divine podcast. My name is Rachel, and today I have a very exciting episode for you all in which I interview Morgan Balavage, who is a wonderful yoga teacher, but also a business coach and owner of her own company, Splendid Yoga. We shared a great conversation about saying no to hustle culture, feeling worthy as a woman and working on yourself first, and what to do when you're feeling drained, overwhelmed, or tired at your job. Whether you are running your own business, looking to change careers, or just need a little sprinkle of inspiration, this episode is full of juicy secrets and tips to help you go from overwhelmed in your work life to a truly abundant feminine woman. Now, let's get into today's episode. Welcome to the Dangerously Divine Podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Loren, entrepreneur, life coach, and your new spiritual bestie. We dive deep into all things feminine magnetism, mindset, and empowerment. Prepare to unlock your full potential and activate your feminine gifts. If you're an ambitious woman who's ready to stop playing small, step into your feminine power, and claim a life beyond your wildest dreams, then you're in the right place. So go ahead and And turn turn up the volume. You're about to hear juicy stories, inspirational advice, and transformational tips that'll help you up-level your life and align with the divine goddess within you. More self-confidence, freedom, and abundance are all just a play away. Thank you for listening and enjoy this episode. Hi, Morgan. Thank you so much for coming on the Dangerously Divine podcast. It's my pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. For everyone that doesn't know you already, can you please give a little bit of background to you and your business and what you're all about? Yes. My name is Morgan Balavage. My brand is Splendid Yoga. I'm a yoga teacher, but I'm also a business coach for yoga teachers and for people who just want more freedom in their life and they don't want money dictating their every decision, but they still want to make a lot of money. So I help my clients focus on creating multiple passive and active income streams in alignment with their values and their energy and without the burnout and the overwhelm that happens so often when you're trying to build a big business. I worked in the corporate world for over 20 years in PR and marketing and accounting and banking. I've seen all types of different businesses grow and expand. And the one thing they all had in common was they require the exploitation of labor. And I decided at some point, I didn't want to make rich white dudes more money. I wanted to help people who were doing really positive, good work in this world, make all the money. And so when I got laid off one year, I decided to shift full time into building my yoga business. Other yoga teachers noticed what I was doing, asked me how they could do it. And then it turned into a business coaching business from there. So that's my story in a nutshell. Beautiful. Yeah. Say it louder for the people in the back. Stop making other people rich. Make yourself rich. <laughs> so I understand that you had sort of given up the the hustle culture and you had decided to place more emphasis on you and your well-being, both spiritually, mentally, 
physically, emotionally, all of the things. How would you advise that uh, someone, a woman in business, takes that leap of faith in herself? Yeah, it all starts with mindset. You have to start with the mantra, the less I do, the more I make. And it's not just the more money you make, it's the more you get to create in this world. But it's true, the less you do, which means, you know, not just that you're laying in bed eating bonbons all day, although we all need days like that during the month, but that you're really prioritizing your time in alignment with your energy, as opposed to the culture that most of us uh, in capitalistic America were raised with, which was you should work hard and then harder and then harder. And maybe 30, 40, 50 years from now, you might have enough money to maybe spend a little bit of time having fun. Now, I kind of think it should be the opposite. I'm a Capricorn, so I age in reverse. So I tried that lifestyle in my 20s. I was very good at making other people money and I made a good chunk of money myself, although not as much as the owners, of course. That's just how capitalism works. It's a pyramid scheme in and of itself. But when you're first getting started, you've got to just switch that mindset from the more I do, the more I get to have to the less I do, the more I make. And once you get that mindset and you start looking for the evidence of that, you start stepping into that divine feminine art of, of receiving rather than going out and hunting and, and gathering. You're just allowing the world to give you what you deserve. And that's where you start to see the real magic and the real sense of empowerment of both your energy and your actions. Yeah, I got chills when you said that just now. I don't know if you saw me like do a little a little shimmy. I was like, oh, I'm cold because that's so beautiful. And I love that that has been your mantra and what you teach the less you do, the more you make. And you're so right that, yes, financially, but also just abundance in general, receiving everything that you want, even things that you don't know you want, being open to all of the wonderful blessings from the universe. Yeah, it's not just about money. You also get to make your community, right? Once you step into this, this element of attracting what it is that you desire, you start to meet your soulmates, your besties, your posse, and it just becomes this, this magical world where everything you experience is a sense of abundance. But so often the clients who come to me and are attracted to my work, they're starting from this place of extreme scarcity where it seems like no matter what they do, they can't get ahead. And as much as I can give them the advice of like, well, here are the steps you can take to get what you want. The bottom line is if their brain thinks they don't get to have it or that they have to work hard for it, then it's just not going to happen for them. Yeah, that sense of overwhelm is so prevalent in our culture today that it, it's rewarded sometimes. And I think that's like the toxic cycle you get in with capitalism is that, you know, if you're a part of hustle culture and you're burning out and you're working hard and you're overwhelmed, that means you're doing something right. And that's such a toxic mindset to have. Right. So what would you say for all the girls out there, women out there who feel maybe a little bit scared to take that step into their own business or into just a new field. What is that feeling of worthy? Where does that come from? How do you, how do you establish that? So for me, it, it starts with, first of all, just looking for evidence that this is possible. So I look for people who are doing what I want to do and have reached a semblance of success. And then I contact them and I ask them, hey, I see you're doing something. I'm curious about it. Can I interview you? And I'll interview them somewhere within my media world. But if you don't quite have that set up, then you can offer to buy them lunch or you can offer to buy an hour of their time. I don't recommend sending out can I pick your brain emails because the information you want to get from these people is incredibly valuable and they deserve to be paid for it. But many of the people that you might reach out to would be happy to volunteer their time for, you know, a 15 or 20 minute conversation just to give an idea of one of the paths that you can take to have that level of success. 
And then the second thing would be to recognize that fear is a very normal physiological response. And it can be a trauma response where it's holding you back. And it can be a growth and healing response when you're willing to take the fear along for the ride. So you have to develop this relationship to those feelings that come inside to understand the difference between I'm trying to protect you versus this is unfamiliar. And so I'm, I'm trying to protect you, but I'm actually oh, just holding you. And that can be a very fine line somatically. And so this is where it can be helpful to work with a therapist, uh, particularly a somatic therapist, just to learn how to understand the difference between the feelings in your body. So a lot of the work that I do with my clients is, well, let's, let's focus on the feelings where they are in the body. Let's figure out where they want to go. Let's process them, which when you're really processing an emotion, it only takes, you know, 90 seconds, two minutes at the very most, if you're really experiencing it and allowing it to move through you. But so many of us, especially women, are trained to kind of shut down any emotional response that's not like happy, joyful, everything's okay, I'm going to be a source of calm for everyone. So I encourage women to rage. I encourage them to be loud and to get upset, to reset their nervous system so that they can relearn how to understand that fear response versus the intuition response. And then you have to develop a friendly relationship to that fear where you can have a friendly conversation like, hey. I see you in there that you're trying to protect me, but I think this is something that we need to do to grow. So are you willing to come along with me for the ride and let me prove to you that this isn't as scary as you think it will be? And fear is like, no, we can't do it. Then you need to call your accountability buddy. And for a lot of my clients, that's me, but I'll often call my bestie and say, hey, I need to make a scary phone call. Will you sit on Zoom with me while I make this scary phone call? And just having someone there to witness me and metaphorically hold my hand, it makes it possible for me to do the scary thing in a way that I'm able to move my life forward and build my community. And it's like a win for everyone involved. Yeah. Wow. That's such great advice. I think as women, we, we need that community. And, you know, as humans in general, I don't even want to just say women, that so many of us feel isolated in our work and we're hustling to like grow our own business or to, you know, meet certain marks in our in our goals and you know feels like after the success after I, I do all the scary things then I'll start you know advertising or talking to other women about it but until I get there I'm going to keep to myself and that's really the opposite way of thinking right we need the community to help us grow as people and to help us make those scary decisions I know you were at the podcast launch party and we just kept saying throughout the, the various speakers that we had, like feel the fear, but do it anyway. You're never going to not have fear, right? You're, it's always going to be there. You just need to acknowledge the fear, like you said, and take it with you. And just acknowledge it as a, a source of, of strength and a confirmation that you're heading in the right direction. If it's that kind of excited, scary feeling versus the like dreadful, scary feeling, right? That's the yeah. difference for me is it's uplifting. I feel it going up to my head, like the butterflies versus like the dread puts, goes down. And like, I physically get myself, feel myself get heavier. So if you can acknowledge like the fear is here and it's a sign that I'm doing the right thing, that's such a place of empowerment rather than I'm scared and I'm just going to hide until I feel comfortable because then the comfort never happens. Yeah. If you're not feeling a little bit of fear in whatever you're doing, then you're not growing. That's true. That's what I like to think. And I loved the advice that you gave about finding, you know, other people that are living similar lives that you want to have. Oftentimes women think of others as competition and that is so wrong. So not the case. And we're here to change that narrative in people's brains that if you see someone else living the life that you want, that's just 
proof that you can have it too, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I want to put a little caveat on that because it can happen that once you start seeing other people living your life, your brain might tell you, oh, well, that means this is an oversaturated market and there's no room for me here. And I experience this a lot in the yoga world because it seems like every other person that you get in contact with is a yoga teacher these days. But you don't need everyone to hire you as a yoga teacher, right? Especially if you're running like a private practice, like you really only need a handful of students. So you need to recognize that like there's no such thing as an over an oversaturated market and you need to look for evidence that it's possible. And ideally, you're looking to these people that you can then collaborate with, because I also don't believe in competition, only collaboration. Yes. I remember during the first day of my MBA program, they had asked us what do we want our outcome to be? What's our dream job? Like what level do we want to get to? And me being like in my wanderlust early 20 years, I was like, I don't want to work. I just want to travel. And I pulled up this woman's Instagram and her name is, I think it's like Gypsy Lust or something like that. And she was one of the first travel influencers. And I was like, this is what I want to do. And I showed all of my classmates and they had actually given me the same advice. And they were like, Rachel, why don't you just reach out to her? So what would you say to people who, you know, know what they want their outlook to be on life and they, they know where they want to go, but they have that fear of getting there? Yeah. So acknowledging the fear, you can journal it out. You can talk to your therapist. You can talk to your besties and, and your coaches. But what you really need to do is break it down into small, actionable steps that you can take every day. So what I teach my clients how to do is we focus on short, medium, and long-term income streams. And we work on all of them every single day. But the work for the long-term in income stream might just be five minutes of looking at like your investment portfolio just to make sure everything's doing what you want it to do. The medium-term income stream might be sending you know, a quick email to someone who was interested in what you're offering. And the short-term income stream might be like actually showing up for a yoga class and teaching, right? But you're doing all those things every single day. And ideally, you're doing it because you enjoy it. And that is the trick. If you enjoy it, you're going to push past that fear and keep doing it. But if you're dreading it and you're trapped in overwhelm and, and insecurity, then there's no progress to be made. You've got to go back to your value system and make sure that your goals are in alignment with your values. Such a such a good piece of advice. I I use a similar uh, method, not with money, but I think I'm going to take that with me. Um, the action priority matrix. Have you heard of that? Where it has like high priority tasks on one side, and then like low priority tasks on another, and then on the other axis, it has like high reward and low reward. So you want to maybe do the ones with the the highest reward that will take the longest and take the most effort you know those are your longer term goals and on the other end of the the matrix it's like easy things that you could do that are simple enough that maybe still have an impact because as women we can't push ourselves every single day like you had said there's some times of the month where we need to stay in bed and eat bonbons and that's okay and not everything that you can put on your checklist might get accomplished because it's a it's a bigger goal than we set out to to do. And that's OK. You know, it, it might it might not happen in a quick amount of time. But as long as we're accomplishing something, whether that's our mindset work or an actual goal, you know, everything is relative in, in achieving what you want. It is. And there's something to be said for giving up the hope of fruition. 
where you're not just in the goal to see it to the end result, right? Because then all you have to do is make a new goal. There's like that high if I did it and then the drop of what do I do now? So this is where you have to like, this is where enjoying the process comes in, where you're doing the things that you're doing. And even if it doesn't come to any sort of fruition, you have to consider it a success because you are doing it in alignment with your energy. And I've had so many situations where I put a lot of work into something and then it either didn't sell at all or I just never ended up finishing it. And then years later, I'll go back and it'll be like perfect timing for exactly what that next project is. Like, for example, I'm a yoga teacher, but I have an online yoga studio with classes that anyone can take anytime. And I developed this 30 day program and put a lot of effort into creating the content. Three people bought it. And I was like, well, I'm never doing that again. But then years later, the pandemic happened. I was teaching yoga at a university and they needed me to convert my yoga class to online classes. And I had all this content already made. I just had to put it into a 10-week sequence. And so it was like, I, ha- I could have had no idea that that was going to come in handy years later because I was following my intuition and I had to go through that little ego drip of like, all right, well, that didn't work. On to the next thing. It was able to come full circle where it did make me a lot of money in the long run. Yeah. I mean, I, I take away two things from that, which is A, give yourself grace. And I think there's a difference between pushing something that feels aligned and authentic and, you know, if you feel that block, just just pivoting, you know, it might not be the right moment, the right time. We never know <laughs> if things are going to go as planned. I know for me specifically, I had wrote, I probably have 85 to 90 percent of this online course written and I wrote it last year and I was so excited to finally start selling it. And I could not finish this freaking course that I wrote. And I was like, okay, I can't let this be a block in my business anymore. I need to put out something. So I put out a seven-day course instead of like the full 30 days or whatever. And to this day, I still haven't finished it, which I'm, I'm fine with because I'm moving in different directions. And I think that we need to look at success not as this like linear uphill battle, But I like to think of it more as like a circle that just radiates out from every direction. And that to me is successful. If if this one beam is not going as high as I want, that's okay. I can focus on another beam, you know, focus on growing my Instagram, on the podcast, on other things, as long as I'm taking some form of action towards my goals, right? Mm -hmm. There might also be something to be said for separating your definition of success from your financial goals. So for me, I've had to learn to define success as if it helps one person, it was a success. And everything I do helps me. So therefore, Ah. is a success. (laughs) Yes, that's so good. But it makes it easier for if it does sell well, if you do reach, you know, if your reel does go viral and you reach thousands and thousands of people, right? Then it's just like, okay, a little bonus, a little cheery on top. But if you start with just that baseline of like, well, if this helps one person, then it's worth my time. It makes it easier to overcome those mindset issues that are telling you, oh, this isn't worth your time. No one's ever going to want this. Or when you get to a certain point in a project and you can't figure out, well, should I finish it or not? That's usually a sign to me to like, maybe I should ask for help. Maybe I should ask my audience, like, is this something they really want? And I'll let their energy inspire me and tell me which direction I need to go from here. But when you separate success from your financial goals, you're fucking the patriarchy because the patriarchy says the only way to be successful is to make money. And of course, money has absolutely no value. So how it got tied into success makes no sense. 
but we get to make money. We get to let that be a form of, of receiving. Um, but it's not, it can't only be about the money because then you're just back in hustle culture and there's no end to the overwhelm and the burnout you can get from where that's your only marker of value. There's a lot of business owners too who get into business for the financial success of it. And they're like, they understand what we're saying is that I don't want to make someone else money. I want to make myself money. And then they still get into the same burnout cycles because if you're not replacing that mindset of hustle culture, then you're you're just going to keep getting into the same cycle. And I liked what you said because, I mean, I'm all about fucking the patriarchy, but that success can mean a lot of different things. And learning is a success and failure is a success because at least you're learning something, right? Absolutely. I love the concept of failing enthusiastically versus failing miserably. And I talk about this in my yoga classes. Like if you're going to try a crow and you're scared of it, let's really fuck it up. Let's just just land on your face. That's like the worst case scenario happen. And let's laugh about it so that you're doing the thing you're scared to do, but you're telling your body, especially when you can giggle about it, that, oh, this is fun and it's okay to fall and it's okay to fail at this and not do it perfectly the first time. And then once that gets out of their system, then they hit the pose like it's nothing. And we see this in my business coaching clients where when you have to do, you know, that scary thing and they're like, well, you know, what if someone doesn't like me? What if I offend someone, right? All these fears that come in when we put ourselves out there and we become visible. And the trick then is, yeah, so you answer that question. What if someone doesn't like it? Then they're not part of your crew and you get to tell them, all right, well, exit stage left. I'm still going to be up here putting on my show because I know there's going to be at least one person who's going to see this and resonate with it. And that's who I'm here for. I'm not here for me. I'm not here for the haters. I'm here for the collective because my intuition is telling me this is the work that I need to do. This is the work that someone else is manifesting through me. That's great. So that intuition, that feeling, not everyone has it turned on or, you know, knows how to listen to it. And I think sometimes the ego and the fear comes in our mind and it kind of disguises itself as intuition where it's like, you know, if, if I'm feeling really scared about this, then maybe that means I shouldn't do it. But when really the opposite is true, that, you know, our ego talking to us is, is not our intuition. It's our it's our ego and we need to decipher the two. Do you have any tips that you can share on how to get better in touch with your intuition? Yeah. So I call this work psychic development. And I don't want people to get freaked out by that word psychic. I use it interchangeably with, with intuition. It's just a matter of tapping into that inner voice, that inner knowing, that deeply truthful voice that you know you can trust. And it's deep down, usually in somewhere closer to your belly. It's never in your head. All right. The thoughts that feel like they're in your head, none of them are true. Most of them are someone else's thoughts or just the satellite receiver for them or it's your internal programming. So you have to first separate yourself from your thoughts. There are meditation practices that you can do. One of my favorites is from the book, um, The Untethered Soul, where you sit in meditation, you breathe for a few minutes, and then you say hello to your thoughts and you figure out where the voice is coming from that responds because there will be a voice that responds somewhere inside of your psyche. And then you just go back and forth saying hello back and forth and you watch where in your body it comes from so that you can isolate the voice that feels like you, that feels like your highest self, your intuition. Uh, the second thing that I really love to do for psychic development, you have to clear all the energy away. So there are a number of different ways to do that. If you're just getting started in your psychic development, probably you're going to need to hire someone else to help you parse through these thoughts. But if, if you just need a, a little extra tool to kind of reset your nervous system so that you can clear the airwaves, 
and receive your intuitive messages. Chanting is one of the most effective ways to get deeper into your inner truth. And I, of course, teach uh, traditional yoga chants. Um, you can find many Spotify playlists. I often recommend Om Namah Shivaya, uh, which is all about rebirth and transformation. Uh, for uh, you can just chant along with any sort of any sort of playlist on YouTube or Spotify. Um, but it helps clear the throat chakra, uh, just the the physical vibrations of chanting, and that just kind of opens up this line of energy from the earth to the heaven, so that you can tap into the intuitive voice that really wants to guide you. That's beautiful. I've never really considered chanting, but I'm gonna try it. That's awesome. I know for a while I was working on my throat chakra and there was one time I went on a hike and I was by myself, which I would not recommend going on hikes by yourself, but I was. And I, you know, got to the top of the mountain and I was feeling super proud of myself and accomplished. And because I was working on my throat chakra, I was like, Rachel, like you need to scream, like just scream at the top of this mountain, like let it be so liberating. And that was my intuition speaking, right? And I felt that and I felt that fear and I didn't do it. And I, I'm only saying this as an example that it sometimes is hard work listening to your intuition. And, you know, fast forward, I had went home and felt a little bit of shame around not being able to do the thing that I so deeply needed to do. And then I went up to my rooftop and I just screamed off the rooftop and I was like, I can freaking do this. So I just, I wanted to like, say that it it's it's hard work you know chanting sounds easy and meditating sounds easy but if you haven't done it before it's it's not it's it's like tapping into this side of yourself that a lot of a lot of the media a lot of work and hustle culture and everything wants you to turn off and you're finally unlocking that side and it can be really nerve-wracking oh, oh yeah women need to scream almost every day Scream into a pillow if you must. I like screaming along with songs in the car. My dog doesn't like it very much, but it works really well for <laughs> you in the car. <laughs> but wherever you, you safe enough to express yourself loudly, do it. Yeah. So many of us are just, you know, like you said, going by this like good girl sort of blueprint and wanting to be nice and not inconvenience anyone. And uh, that, that doesn't feel good. What feels good? You have one life on this earth and... You know, if you can't be yourself fully embodied in this lifetime, then then when when are you? Have you ever done a swamping practice? I have. I'm part of a few Facebook groups that are swamp groups, and I'll let you define what they are for your audience. Swamping is something that I heard. I don't know who started it. I heard it from Regina Thomas Hauser, who wrote the book Pussy, and it's where a bunch of women get together and kind of rage against the man sort of or anything really and you know you wear whatever makes you feel comfortable you do your hair and your makeup and your outward expression of, is however you're feeling and you just dance cry scream wow. and just do all of these somatic practices that make you feel more in tuned with your body right do you have anything else to add to that Morgan yeah a big part of the practices that I do are about you're not allowed to fix anyone else. We're just here to witness each other. So if someone's just like complaining about everything in their life, you just say, I see you. And you're not trying to get in there and say, it's, it's okay. You're going to get through this. It's going to get better, right? We're just saying, I, I see you where you are right now. And there's nothing to fix. You are perfect just as you are right now. And I am witnessing with glee 
your rage or your jealousy or your disappointment, right? Just the same way I would see and celebrate your joy and your happiness and your community. We get to celebrate both equally to create this more holistic community rather than just focusing on what's going well. And that is so empowering to exist imperfectly and to be celebrated for it is so rare in this world. Yeah. And and that's just a part of life too. I I have to tell my friends a lot because they still think I'm a femininity coach. And that's okay. You know, they're trying. And often femininity coaches are all about being perfect and looking perfect and, you know, getting people to like you and certain like manipulation tactics and ways to do your hair and dress and makeup. And I I have to tell them, I'm like, yeah, sure, that's fine. And that's one side of being a woman. But the other side of being a woman is freaking wild and free and expressive. And you can't have just one without the other. You need to have a community where you can just rage and, and be be in your feelings and feel them because we, we, we would suppress them if not, right? Yeah, you think of like the 1950s housewife who's getting up early to put on makeup so her husband never sees her without makeup, right? And she has to swallow so much rage for so much of her life because she's trying to put on this performance for, you know, this man in her life. And we're seeing the effects of this decades later where, I, I won't speak for you, but, but for myself, like I just feel this deeply held feminine rage that I know isn't mine. It's part of the collective, but I'm here to do something about it, right? I'm here to both process it, to scream it out, and I'm here to help heal it, to be like, you know, it's okay to wake up and not want to put on makeup, and it's okay to wake up and want to put on makeup. You get to make your own choices every single day, and I'm going to celebrate you exactly where you're at without trying to change where you're at. We just need a safe space to feel our feelings, and sometimes they're, they're not always pretty. But it's true. If you're in touch with your feminine intuition, you, you know what to do. You can trust yourself implicitly. Most of us were raised not to trust ourselves. Most of us were raised to trust patriarchal authority figures. And it's really hard to break that programming. And this is where we get into the good girl, bad girl paradigm of like, right? The good girl makes sure everyone around her is comfortable. And the bad girl witnesses the discomfort of others without trying to change it. And that makes her a bad girl because girls exist for the comfort of men, right? According to the patriarchy. And of course, we know that's not true, but that's just how it seems in society. So that's why it's important to learn how to witness others and yourself where you're at, even if it makes you uncomfortable, even if your phase is making other people uncomfortable, because it's through being witnessed and moving through those difficult experiences that we really step into our power and get to experience like our queendom. Asking for help is always the answer, whether it's I need help celebrating this wonderful thing that's happened to me or whether it's I need help getting out of bed because I'm too depressed and my body won't let me do anything. Yeah. And this is where I love having a list of 10 people in my phone who I can text anytime and at least one of them will be available to call me back for whatever I need. Even if they can't provide the exact support I need, they'll provide the witnessing that I need to figure my stuff out because I I have ADHD, I'm a neurodivergent, I'm on the spectrum. So I need that outside voice coming in and telling me like, yes, this makes sense. You should do that. And I just need someone to kind of witness me talking it out for me to figure out my own thoughts because I have millions of thoughts going at any given moment. I tried to explain to a friend recently what it was like being in my brain. And I jumped from like looking at the view to rubber duckies to an ex-boyfriend to a cooking project to a cleaning project within a 30 second span. And he just looked at me with this like, and he was like, how do you live? And I was like, I mean, there, there are strengths to this because it means that I can multitask. It means that I can run a, a multifaceted business, but it also means that I need a lot of outside help to help pluck and pick out, okay, these are the useful ideas and these are not your ideas. Let's get rid of those. 
But yeah, asking for help is always the answer. I love that list of 10 people. I think I'm going to go do that when we're done recording here because sometimes my friends and I will leave each other like podcast voice notes. Like it is a full 15 minutes and I will usually start them if I don't need advice and I just need to get it out. I'm like, hey, you don't even need to listen to this or like you don't need to respond to this or give me advice or whatever. I just I need to process it. And, you know, journaling is really helpful for processing feelings, but also talking and speaking things, you know, out in the world and just getting it out of your head, I think, is is one of the biggest things. Absolutely. And I love voice memos for that, for that same reason. I love using them in something like WhatsApp or Telegram where I can speed them up because I I, I offer oh. the service to my clients and some of them never send me voice memos. Some of them I get 15 minutes worth of voice memos a day. So I make sure that I can two times them to get through them. But uh, to, to your point of like, I don't need you to respond to this. I, I just need to give this to someone else for now. And for you have to do it with permission, right? Like you, you've had this right. pre-established relationship where you understand you can serve this role in each other's lives. But there's something so powerful and so liberating to just sharing that that 15 minute voice note of whatever's going on, even if it's something as silly as like, you know, the Tinder dude didn't text me back within three minutes and I'm freaking out. Right. Those those feelings and experiences need to be voiced in order to be processed in some regard. And journaling, absolutely super helpful. Another psychic development technique, but doesn't open up the throat chakra physically in the same way as the reverberation of your vocal cords. That's good to know. I just do it because it's easier. <laughs> My friends and I, whenever we're venting or whatever, we always ask ahead of time. And this is kind of on your the point that you made of boundaries and pre-established relationships is we'll ask, do you need a hype friend? Do you need a compassionate friend or do you need advice? And that helps us be accountable for, you know, whatever our friend needs. Sometimes you just need someone to vent to. Sometimes you're looking for advice. And sometimes you need someone to hype you up, even if it's not the best decision and you're going to be a little bit toxic or, or whatever. You know, we all need, I think, that community and, and that safe space to get out how we feel. Yeah, the, I love that specific questioning. Like, here are three options. Which do you need? Um, one of the phrases I'll use with my friends and clients is, how, how can I support you right now? And sometimes just that question is enough. They just need to know someone's there who wants to support them. And sometimes yeah. it's a very specific, like, okay, here's what I need from you. Like I have an ADHD accountability friend who will text each other when we're stuck in freeze mode and be like, I need to do something, but I'm frozen. And so that's their cue to know, like, okay, tell me your list of to-dos and they'll help me prioritize. And once I have someone else telling me this is your priority, suddenly my brain will let me do it. But when I try to do it myself, my brain won't let me do it. So it can be very powerful to have these people in your life, again, with boundaries, with permission, you've, you've gotten the consents and it goes, it goes both ways, right? So yeah, our, or if they are seeking advice and they're still in vent mode, I'll ask them, like, are you ready to receive advice right now? Or do you need to vent some more? Because you, you can't process advice when you're in vent mode, right? Brene Brown talks about this a lot in her work around vulnerability. As you're working through different problems in your life, um, there's the feeling phase and then there's the fix it phase. And she uses different phrasing, but that's how I understand it in my brain. So once you process the feelings of what's going on, then you can move into, okay, well, how do I make this the situation that I want it to be? But if you try to do that in the feelings phase, you just get shut down, right? This is where you see people who, when you try to give them advice and all they say is, no, that'll never work. And they're just like total negative Nancys. That's because they haven't processed their feelings. It's not because they're not capable of, of taking care of their business, it's because they haven't learned or had the space to feel their feelings. 
And you see this a lot in the male-female dynamic in relationships where a female is venting and the male is immediately like, okay, well, here's how you fix it. And that they're trying to be helpful, but so often it turns into a bigger fight because that's not what that person needed or was ready to hear. And so it's important yeah. to have these, these conversations in the context of all the relationships in your life um, and to be able to both communicate, this is what I need from you right now, and to be able to ask and really hear, what do you need from me right now? That's so beautiful. And, and yeah, it does happen. It happens in friendships, in relationships, you know, even with people over the internet. Sometimes people are just venting and then everyone loves to share their opinion, even if they don't know the background of the situation, whatever, you know, prote protect your energy and, and know where to go to find what you're looking for and know how to ask for it. So we talked a lot about that community and I, I love that answer. Do you have any other tips for people who might be feeling overwhelmed or drained or just tired at work or life in general, their business? Yeah, if you're experiencing the symptoms of burnout, you need to go see your doctors, your acupuncturists, your therapists, and you need to start there because there may be underlying health issues caused by the stress going on in your life that's leading to these symptoms of burnout. And until you get yourself in a place where physically your body knows how to process the chemicals of stress, you're not going to be able to move your life forward. Once you've gotten your, your diet, your exercise, your supplements, and all, you know, whatever blood work shows that you need to get done, once you've gotten those things in alignment, then you can start to move into, okay, so what's my goal and how can we work backwards to turn this into small, actionable steps that we can take every day to move this goal forward in a way that feels like excitement and joy. And I'm looking forward to this thing I get to do today. So it has to start with self-care. And that's going to be seeking some sort of medical attention to help understand what's going on in your body. I'm so happy that you just gave us that tip because sometimes you can't you can't see visually. It's not like a, a broken arm or a scar or a scab or something that you can see physically. You know what overwhelm and burnout is? It's in the mind and it can play a role in our outward body as well if we let it get there. and. I think in your advice of going to see a doctor, it's like, let's let's handle this before it gets visible, you know, before cancer starts forming and before we have all of these, you know, breakouts and issues in our body. Let's let's first target, you know, what's going on in the mind. It's, it's a lot harder to identify. But once you do and you go to that doctor, you know, then you can prevent all of the, the cycles of physical and emotional burnout. And of course, I always recommend a combination of Western and Eastern modalities. I like um, Western for really ac acute traumas and Eastern tends to work really well for chronic issues. So um, I found acupuncture and herb have been way more effective for my own experiences with burnout than uh, the Western modalities such as therapy or SSRIs and anti-anxiety medications. Yeah, I love that. And I think, you know, it's all about playing around with what works, works well for you. The, the first step is, yes, go to see your doctor. So we're nearing the end of today's episode, but I know, Morgan, you're a business coach and I would love to hear and the listeners would love to hear a little bit about how to attract clients. I have a lot of listeners who are either small business owners or want to be entrepreneurs. And I think that there's there's a lot of BS out there. <laughs> for lack of a better word. And I know in myself, it can get overwhelming sometimes to see a level of success at everyone else's living. 
and it feels almost a little bit out of reach. And I think it, what it comes down to is knowing your audience, feeling that confident in yourself and just attracting them with who you are. So is there any advice that you have for my entrepreneurial or wannabe entrepreneurial clients? Yeah. So attraction marketing, I define it as you put your stuff out there and people find you as opposed to you actively going out and, and finding your clients. So um, attraction marketing can look like a referral system where you're just telling your friends, your network, hey, this is what I'm doing. If you know anyone who could benefit from this, send them my way. A lot of people will do it just for nothing, just for the love of being a super connector. But you can also work out an affiliate commission system if, if that's an alignment for you. Um, putting your stuff out there on social media in a way that makes it very clear how to hire you is a form of attraction marketing as opposed to like cold DMs, which I'm sure we all receive many a day. And I personally loathe cold DMs. It is oh, yeah. such a waste of time. It is such a waste of energy, especially if you're not hiring someone else, but you yourself are DMing like 200 people a day and they may not even be your target market. And it's just such a waste of time and energy. So rather than doing that, you just use traditional social media strategies of a clear call to action, uh, you know, popular content that's going to work for the algorithm or Instagram, you know, that's going to look like reels and carousels right now at the time that we're recording this six months from now, who knows? Or Facebook, that's going to look, you know, like short form videos and uh, little, little quick, quick quotes. It's different for every social media channel. But the, the trick is to, first of all, find the marketing strategies that are in alignment with you. If you hate Facebook, don't use Facebook. You don't need to. If you hate all social media, don't waste your time with it. Maybe down the line, you hire someone to do it for you. But there are other ways to find clients beyond social media. It's not the only way. Um, another example would be like if you have a website and it's SEO friendly, so people who are searching for whatever problem you solve, there are a technique that you can use to get yourself ranked so they know how to find you. For example, one of my one of the ways that my high ticket clients find me is through my YouTube channel. And I years ago posted a video on how to make money on a meditation app called Insight Timer. Just like, hey, I'm just gonna get the word out. This is working for me. You know, we'll see, we'll see if people like it. That video now has thousands of views and I get emails every single week from people who found me from that video. And almost all of my high ticket clients come from that video. It took me literally 10 minutes to make years and years ago. So that's the kind of attraction marketing that I'm telling you about. I followed my intuition. I put it out there and now people are finding me. And I studied with other, you know, strategy coaches, marketing coaches who taught me how to make the funnel so that anyone who saw that video then knew how to hire me. So for example, on that video, I have a link to a low ticket offer of how to take the next steps to actually get set up on this course. And so people then are investing a little bit of money, like, you know, under $10 just to like get in my circle. And now I have them on my list, my email list, where I can reach out to them and tell them how to hire me on the go forward. And all of that is automated. So it's work that I had to do once and I get paid for it over and over again. So these are the techniques that I teach my clients. You've got to do things in alignments, do things from a place where it's easy for people to know how to hire you. And uh, the most important part uh, is actually doing a lot of market research, which is just talking to the people that you'd really love to work with to understand the language that they would use. So, for example, I worked with a sleep coach once who described her work as I help people who suffer from insomnia. But her client said that their problem was that they couldn't fall asleep. And that means the same thing kind of as insomnia, but it's a very different way of describing it. And when she switched her marketing so that it was, do you have trouble falling asleep or can you not fall asleep? I can help. All of a sudden, people started understanding what she did because she was using their language. So that's a big trick, especially when you feel stuck on how you want to create or market someone. Talk to the people you want to buy it 
and find out the phrases they would use to search for to, um, to understand, you know, how, what their problem is and how to find a solution and then make it very easy and clear for them to hire you. That's awesome. I love that you shared that story because oftentimes as business owners, you know, we think we have all the answers and we're just so excited to give it to the public and, you know, don't even ask, is this what you need? And it's important that, you know, your content aligns with what your audience needs. I love that. And lastly, do you have any sort of advice for the people that are maybe doing all of the things, but they're not seeing anything flourish yet? Any tips on how to be patient with yourself? Yeah, go back and look and see what's working because you might be surprised. I had one client recently who said, well, I just want to be famous. And so I said, well, how will you know if you're famous? And she said, well, I'll have 10,000 followers. So we went through and looked at every single one of her social media accounts and she had over 10,000 followers. But she was thinking, well, I only want 10,000 followers on Instagram. But once she mm -hmm. saw with her whole you know, media empire, which was maybe three or four different social media channels, she was reaching you know, five figures a, a month in terms of the, the population that she was reaching. All of a sudden, she was like, oh, I've hit that goal. And so we got to move on to the actual progress we wanted to make, which was, okay, well, now that you have these people attention, what do you want to do next? So if you're feeling stuck, go back and look and, and see what's felt like a success in the past. And then if it's in alignment, do more of that. Do the same thing that worked in the past. It'll probably work again. If you have ADHD like I do and you have to constantly reinvent the wheel to keep yourself motivated, one of the tricks that I've used is relaunching old programs with different names, which is enough novelty for me to keep my brain interested. And it also helps me reach a different market because now I'm market testing how different, how different names work for different programs that I offer. So there are different, yeah. different tricks that you can use to make that happen, but it's all got to be in alignment. And it's all got to be focused on do what's working. Don't waste your time with what's not working. Yeah. Wow. That's so great. My um, pleasure. And I believe you have something for the audience, right? I do. So I have a quiz that y'all can take and it tells you what passive income stream you should create next based on your human design. And if you don't know what human design is, it's like a combination of astrology, personality typing, and the I Ching. And it's, it's been, I think, a very effective way for a lot of people in my world to better understand the rhythm of their life and, and their place in the world. Um, but specifically, the quiz will help you know, okay, what should I put effort into, into, into that will help me make money in my sleep? So go take that quiz. What passive income stream should you create? I bet the link will be in, in the profile. But you can also awesome. check it out um, if you go to my Facebook group, Passive Income for Healers. You can check out the quiz there as well. Okay, Morgan, can you tell the listeners where they can find you if, if they're interested in learning more about you and your business? Yeah, you can find me on Instagram. I'm at splendid.yoga. That's also my website, splendid.yoga. The dot yoga is the dot com. Yay, awesome. And I will put those links in the description for anyone who wants to check out Morgan. But with that, we're going to end today's episode. Thank you so much for joining us, Morgan, and for all of your valuable insights. I've learned a lot, and I know that the listeners will love this episode. Thank you, Rachel. It's been so fun. Awesome. Until next time, thank you for joining us on the Dangerously Divine podcast.